Asia Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. All groups of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents and I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm James Barry. And we're taking you through to 9.30 this morning. Um, thank you to Annie for another wonderful solidarity breakfast with informative news and information about the struggles of the labour movement here in Victoria and Australia. Um, coming up on Asia Pacific Currents in the second part of the show, we'll be interviewing, we'll be speaking with um, Carla Chung, who is a trade unionist, a rank and file trade unionist here in Victoria, but she's also um, from Timor Leste and very, very much involved in the solidarity struggle. And of course, for those of you who um, are very involved in that struggle, you'll know that today is the commemoration of the Santa Cruz massacre. So we're going to talk a little bit about that um, and what memorial services are on at the moment. So that is in the second part of the show. But of course, Australia Asia, sorry, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web or the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter. So look us up on those social media platforms. We're going to go straight into news from around the region. And I am kicking us off this morning. Um, we're gonna, we've got an update on our story that we've been bringing you about the Turkish workers' struggles against Philip Morris. This week, the General Secretary of the International Trade Union Confederation, ITUK, which represents 332 trade union confederations, including the Confederation of Progressive Trade Unions of Turkey, which we know as DISC, they, ITUK sent a letter to the global CEO of Philip Morris, Marlborough International, asking for the reinstatement of workers dismissed for being members of DISC-affiliated Gida-ish and for the union to be recognised. In the letter, ITOK outlined how Philip Morris's actions in Turkey were violating international conventions and standards on labour rights, which the company has signed up to. As previously covered on APC, Gida-ish workers went on strike in Izmir following the sacking of a dozen colleagues or workers on September 20. Since this time, the number of sacked employees has grown to 124 and the workers demand their reinstatement and the recognition of Gida-ish. Moving to Qatar now, where sexual harassment risk for hotel workers has become the focus of a new campaign. The International Union of Food, Agriculture, Hotel, Restaurant, Catering and Tobacco and Allied Workers Associations, or the IUF, this week criticised Qatar for not doing enough to prevent sexual harassment of hotel staff in the lead-up to the, to the World Cup, due to kick off in just over a week. While Qatar has made efforts to reform its labour laws, including removing the kafala system under which many migrant workers have suffered, Qatar continues to prevent the unionisation of workers in many industries, including hotels. Sexual harassment occurs at alarming rates in Qatari hotels, and the IUF has raised the issue with FIFA in September last year, asking that they display a message that harassment of hotel staff will not be tolerated. The IUF have distributed leaflets to Qatari hotels, calling for hotel management to warn guests that any sexual harassment will result in their being banned from the premises. 
And now looking at the situation in China, Chinese bus company um, is asking its workers to get loans in order to pay their wages. In the city of Lanzhou, Gansu province in northwest China, the state-owned bus company has asked its workers to take personal loans on behalf of the company to cover more than three months of unpaid wages. The Lanzhou Public Transport Company are unable to obtain financing as the company has a terrible debt ratio and has instead asked that workers put themselves at financial risk to cover their own wages that are owed to them. The workers have voiced their concerns that the already failing company is likely to leave them not only with unpaid wages but also with personal debt. China's strict pandemic response has caused problems for transport companies throughout the country with wage arrears reported this year in several provinces and major cities, including in Beijing. In August, bus workers went on strike in Henan because of unpaid wages. Moving now to India, where deadly fires have hit shoe factories in New Delhi. Two workers were killed and 18 were injured when a fire broke out in a footwear manufacturing factory in New Delhi on November 1st. The fire was caused by an explosion in the machinery used to manufacture the soles of footwear. Just days before, the workers had reported that the machine was faulty and needed to be replaced, but the request was ignored by management. Around 300 workers were on shift at the time of the explosion, and many had to jump from the building to safety. A similar fire broke out in another footwear factory in the same industrial estate four days later. This time, luckily, no one was harmed. The situation highlights the ongoing struggle for workplace safety in India, with with faulty equipment and poor safety infrastructure like fire escapes often cost workers their lives every year. And our final story, oh, not the final, sorry. Uh, um, Our next story is about migrant workers in Malaysia, um, particularly this ongoing dispute against Dyson. 24 workers from two factories in Johor, Malaysia, have issued legal claims alleging forced labour and abusive work conditions against several Dyson companies to the High Court in London. Most of the workers are migrants from Bangladesh and Nepal who also were required to live in company accommodation during their employment by the ATA Industrial Group, which produces Dyson products in Malaysia. The workers have complained about unsanitary and cramped living conditions and dangerous and cruel working conditions where workers were required to meet onerous production targets in 12-hour shifts without toilet breaks. Furthermore, they were forced to pay for company-supplied accommodation that included upwards to 80 people in a room, unreliable water supply, broken toilets and inedible food. They were sometimes forced to work up to 18 hours to meet production targets and suffered beatings or threats of violence when targets weren't met. They were paid below minimum wage and denied annual leave. The workers are demanding compensation from Dyson for unpaid wages, leave, personal injuries and loss of liberty. And finally in New Zealand, where a university has suspended striking workers without pay. The University of Waikato this week advised the New Zealand Tertiary Education Union that its members would be suspended without pay for the duration of a planned three-day strike. Staff at the university had been in dispute with management about unpaid hours of work, increasing workloads and stagnant pay for several months. The strike, meant to begin at 7am Friday 11th of November and run to 5pm Tuesday 15th of November, involves a temporary withholding of students' final grades, which is what the university management is most upset about. The union has vowed to continue the strike despite the Vice-Chancellor's aggressive response 
and have pointed out that <coughs> that many of the non-teaching staff who are involved in the withholding, who are not involved in withholding of grades, are also being punished by the university's blanket decision. And that's the news from around the region. It is nine minutes past nine o'clock. You're on Community Radio 3CR. We're going to go to some community announcements and then our feature interview with Carla Chung uh, in the second part of the show. Nam Melbourne Slut Walk is once again taking to the streets in the fight against victim blaming and slut shame. In the past year, we have seen how deeply still rape culture is ingrained in our highest institutions, from the media to federal government. This cannot be tolerated. To take a stand, join the 2022 Slut Walk at 1pm on the 19th of November outside the Victorian State Library. Slut Walk is a 3CR supporter. charity or community group looking for office space or a co-working space, Ross House has rooms of different sizes available, from 15 metres squared to 100 metres squared at affordable prices. Many charity groups already call Ross House home, so if you're interested in joining a vibrant community or working towards social justice and environmental sustainability, please visit rosshouse.org.au or contact reception during office hours on 9650 Ross House is a 3CR supporter. Listening to 3CR Community Radio. Come to me sweetly this love of great You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents on Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle. I'm James. And we're also joined by Carla Chung. Welcome to the program, Carla. Thank you. Good morning. Carla is a rank and file trade unionist and a union activist and also a community activist in um, Timor-Leste and in some broader campaigns. Actually, Carla, why don't you tell us what are some of the things that you are active around? So um, currently I um, focus a lot more on the um, issue around workers uh, from East Timor who comes to Australia to work um, previously on a seasonal workers program um, and um, PLS, uh, which is a Pacific Labor Scheme. Um, but now they've scrapped the seasonal worker program and they've made it as a Pacific uh, as a PAM, um, Pacific Australia um, uh, mobilization sort of uh, program. Mm-hmm. Um, but still active on um, try to work for um, justice for Bernard Clary and witness case. And we know that recently the case was dropped for um, Bernard Clary. But um, unfortunately, um, Kay is still hun- under house arrest because his pa- passport has been kept right. away from him since originally it was ordered to be taken away. So um, the campaign is real because... Um, all the people in East Timor and the Timorese community still feel that um, justice needs to be served. And uh, 
as we commemorate the Dili massacre of 12 November 1991 and 21 years later, um, the youth are still fighting for a lot of um, justice and the fight is real. Um, but moving on, today we have a different fight. Well, let's um, we'll come to what the fight today is in a moment, but let's um, talk about t- today's commemoration because, of course, it is 12th of November, is the anniversary of the Dilling Massacre or Santa Cruz Massacre. Can you firstly just remind listeners what this event was? So on the 12th of November um, 1991, um, a lot of the East Timorese youth are... Uh, basically gather together to um, to walk on a peaceful protest, um, which uh, coincide with the death of um, one of the Timorese youth fighters that were killed in uh, Motail Church on the 28th of October 1991. Um, he was brutally, brutally killed inside the church, and uh, basically it was the second week of his uh, death commemorations. Um, it was uh, very unfortunate that like a lot of the youth that uh, were gunned down um, and then picked up on the track um, by the mil- Indonesian military then, and a lot of them were killed and accounted for. So um, it's a very... Yeah, I don't like to say celebrate because it's a very, very sad um, history. Um, a, a lot of family lost their young one um, and they never come home and never have a grave or, you know, we don't know what happened, but a lot of us know that they were killed and a lot of terrible things happened then. But the great thing about it is, like, we can't forget that... Uh, at the time, uh, the journalist Max uh, Stoll, um, late Max Stoll, um, took a footage and uh, it was uh, smuggled by a, um, another Western um, journalist uh, or activist lady um, who put it under her underwear and um, took it out of uh, Timor um, and... Uh, the world end up knowing exactly what happened in Timor since the invasions. Yeah, so the Santa Cruz massacre is significant because it was the first time that the international community saw something of what was happening in East Timor. Uh, could you talk a bit about uh, how important that massacre was in the East Timorese independence movement and also in the memory of East Timorese today? Well, it's very important because um, the, the, the youth actually... Um, basically uh, brought Timor to the international world and um, uncover uncover um, the, the sad truth and also the, the terrible things um, that happened to Timorese people um, since the invasions. Um, so uh, it was unfortunate that you know, we, lo- we lost a lot of life and a lot of um, destru- destruction continued to happen. After up to, to 1999, so um, but remember we didn't stand alone. We had a lot of solidarity from the outside world. The you know the Australian community were very supportive. There's a lot of um, um, support that comes out even from the Union for the Movement for Independence. So um, we never want to forget that, and we wanted to remember and um, and um, 
be thankful for everyone's support. And I know that there will be a lot of continuous support for East Timor. How, how do activists commemorate an event like a massacre? I mean, you, you yourself said it's, it's obviously not something to be celebrated. It's something to be remembered. Um, what, what are the ways that people remember this event annually and keep the struggle moving forward? So um, we don't do big things, uh, but the community gave us today um, at um, Middle Park today. Um, it's coincided with uh, um, one, uh, two of the Timorese member of the community, one uh, to be ordained to be a priest, another one but to be a diaconate on the um, Carmelite community. Um, we gather together basically to do uh, to have a mass of thanksgiving and prayers and um, basically in Timor people light candles all over um, the street um, just to remember them um, to sing and uh, to to celebrate not not really to celebrate but to remember um, I mean even now that I'm thinking about it it was such a um, it's very sad um, for the youth and I was quite young at the time and uh, all you could feel is like goosebumps and it's sad, sadness and uh, um, it's, it's, it's just like uh, very hard to accept. Uh, people are very fearful um, uh, that you could be the next to uh, to be arrested and to be killed, or um, you never you never allowed to come home again, or something like that happened. So um, something that we need to reflect, and um, a lot of things change now that we are free, but we're not completely free from what we really fight for. Could you talk a little bit about that? Because East Timor is, in many ways, a completely different place than it was when the Santa Cruz massacre happened. So a lot has happened, a lot of changes have happened in terms of um, the way that East Timor has grown as a country, but also there are continuing problems of poverty and other political issues. Could you talk a little bit about that? Uh, okay, the, the current issues um, that we have in Timor, I mean, like, we gain independence and um, 31 years after the Dili massacre and then... We, um, we, ca- we. I, I don't like to say that we. Um, um, we've been ha- having a restoration of independence in two thousand and two, even though we declared independence in nineteen seventy five. Um, but um, due to a lot of the violence um, that happened throughout many years and generations, and uh, um, we we have a lot of like PTSD walking all over. And up until now, there is no proper sort of like help and support for a lot of these um, young people who experience um, uh, violence or witness to violence or somehow have family members who go through violence and lose family members. Um, uh, Today, our struggle is that the youth becomes um, a problem because of lack of employment. So as you know of that, a lot of our Timorese youth are um, trying to get out of the country to find jobs 
and a lot of them come to Australia. And recently, a lot of Timorese youth um, went to UK or Northern Ireland um, or Ireland and also Portugal, and that leads to a lot of problems. Um, and up until today, as we talk, a lot of young people try to get out of the country to make a better uh, living, which is another sort of like fight altogether. And um, I work closely with the workers here in Australia, so there's a different level of um, fighting for a better life and a better future. That's right, because you um, at various points have worked for various unions in particular the NUW or what it is now, the UWU, um, with organising those horticulture workers. Um, when when you worked with them, when you spoke to the East Timorese people coming in on those seasonal visas, working in um, various farms, etc., what, what did they talk about in relation to life prospects back in East Timor, whether they eventually wanted to stay in this country and just their relationship entirely to the political situation back home. And and again, because, you know, in, in the early 2000s, in 1999, when we were supporting the struggle, the youth really were the heroes of the movement. And, um, you know, they were fighting for their future uh, and, and, you know, here, here we are 20-something years later. Um, what, what is their um, r- relationship to, to building uh, the future of East Timor? I think the, the youth plays a very important part even today. Uh, I mean, in the past, uh, we were the sort of like the front line uh, for the fight for independence. But to, uh, today, the youth is uh, the, the current sort of like... Um, probably the second biggest income for the country uh, from um, sending money um, back home to their um, families and um, building Timor Leste in terms of everyone that comes to Australia or overseas are helping their family um, you know, to build a better life. Um, the struggle is big and real, um, but... A lot of them are hoping that they can they can stay longer uh, to work, and so that um, you know they can build a house or have a target to own a small businesses. Um, but I know like the the governments are working uh, hard on both sides, but um, the reality is there's many other issues that come in between. So. Um, we still have to work a, a lot harder on that, on many things like, you know, freedom of association rights and, and workers get to understand about how um, it's it's good to be a union member, to be better protected so they can understand their right while they're in Australia. Um, so that's, there's, a, there's a lot of level of um, sort of fight basically here for the youth. Uh, in the region that East Timor is in, there is a growing tension between the United States and China. Uh, in East Timor itself, are they feeling this? I know that the president, uh, Jose Ramos Horta, made a number of statements after he was elected this year that uh, if Australia doesn't reach out to East Timor more, we, that East Timor will have to look more to China. Uh, is this something that is being talked about much in East Timor? 
I think that's um, that's a, that's one of the another real big issues because um, we know that the reason why Timor was invited because it's probably Australian government felt like they have um, easier to deal with Indonesia in terms of like you know uh, the TMC issues um, and um, after the independence in two thousand and uh, the restoration of independence in two thousand and two we we were hoping that Timor will. Um, get a fairer deals uh, with the Australian government, um, but unfortunately, um, you know, the cabinet room were um, sort of listened to, um, and um, then we have um, our, you know, Timorese hero, which is Witness K, who came out and blow the whistles, and we, we don't want to forget about K because up until today, K is still, you know, under a lot of issues uh, where his passport has been confiscated and. Uh, um, basically, is under house arrest, and we we want justice to be served for people who is trying to do the right thing. And if you believe that, you know, doing the right thing, and we want to teach our children, our future generations, in terms of doing the right things, and uh, we should consider that um, um, to allow Kay to um, to be free. Basically, like justice must be served for Kay, witness Kay. Um, and um, in terms of your questions about the relationship between Australia and, and East Timor, Australia and China, well, um, I think historically um, t- Australian sort of uh, community uh, is very supportive of East Timor. Um, it's always it's the Australian government. So uh, basically we want to get a fair deal um, and uh, as a Timorese community activist, I still feel like uh, up until now we still don't get a fair deal. Oh, no, completely. It just on, um, so we just got a couple minutes left, and yeah. I wanted to um, understand a little bit more about the campaign for justice for Witness K. And if any of our listeners want to support that, because it's really, I mean, Witness K is almost being forgotten. Um, what what are the activities being done to not forget Witness K, but also for justice? I think um, basically people can write to the member of parliament um, locally and also uh, keep an eye on the whistleblower sort of um, campaign, um, free whistleblower campaign, because I, I think that uh, we, we need to support Kay. And, and, you know, after what happened, there's a lot of damages is done to him. He has suffered um, uh, terrible uh, mental health issue and his family as well, uh, we cannot forget. Um, the people in Timor still uh, strongly believe that K is, uh, Witness K is our hero for coming out and speaking about the truth about um, a terrible thing that happened. And it, it's actually not in the national interest of Australia. It's in the corporation interest. So um, please do, listener, support K because... Um, we want him to be free, and uh, I think it's well-deserved. Well, Carla, thank you so, so much for your time on the program today, and thank you for coming in to the studio to talk with us about, uh, well, the commemoration of the Dilly Massacre, but all all things, current issues um, for the people of Timor-Leste. So thank you. Um, but James, thank you. The- 
James, that does bring us to the end of another Asia-Pacific Currents for another Saturday. Um, listeners, coming up next is Palestine Remembered, so please stay tuned to 3CR for the rest of the weekend. Um, that's it for us for Asia-Pacific Currents for another Saturday. I'm Giselle Hanna. I'm James Barry. 